Boss Uncaged is a weekly podcast that releases the origin stories of business owners and entrepreneurs as they become uncaged trailblazers. In each episode, our hosts, S.A. Grant and guests construct narrative accounts of their collective business journeys and growth strategies. Learn key success habits and how to stay motivated through failure, all while developing a boss uncaged mindset. Break out of your cage and welcome our host, S.A. Grant. Welcome, welcome back to Boston Cage Podcast. On today, we have a fellow podcaster, business owner, and as this story progresses, you'll learn that we have some six degrees of separation going on. So without further ado, Larry Roberts, welcome to the show. What's happening, everybody? Thank you for having me on, man. This is great. I'm excited, and I appreciate the opportunity. Great, great, great. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I met Larry. It's kind of, we met through VidFest, but then come to find out we also have some common friends as well. Kelly Stevens, which you guys may or may not be familiar with, but he was like, I think, episode three or four of this particular podcast. So, just, just dive into your story a little bit. Like, who are you? <laughs> who am I? Yeah. And I'm still trying to figure that out. I'm 48 and I have no clue. <laughs> but for the last five years, I've been a podcaster. So, that's pretty exciting there. And at quick glance, I realized why I'm friends with Kelly because he is a voiceover artist and uh, I was doing some voiceover before I got into podcasting and I actually did a little more as podcasting progressed, but eventually podcasting took over and the creativity that I was looking for was much more readily available in podcasting than it was for me with voice acting. So that's how I ended up here, honestly. Uh, I mean, that's kind of, that's one side of the story. Of course, there's a lot more to it than that. But that's that's how Kelly and I are uh, are associated with each other, which of course in turn uh, causes us to be associated with each other, which is great. Yeah, definitely. And it's kind of funny because I think that, that was one of the, the, the attractions that, that I wanted you on the show. Obviously, you know, you did a great presentation on VidFest, but your voice had some similarities. And I'm like, why does he sound familiar to me just a little bit? And then as I did some research, I'm like, no wonder. I mean, you and, and Kelly. So it makes perfect sense. So if you had to define yourself in three to five words, what three to five words would you choose? Wow. Um, three to five words. Always striving for perfection. It's kind of cheesy, but it's true. And you know what? I don't say that to make myself stand out or make myself sound like everything that I do is perfection, but I am a bit of a perfectionist and it has pluses and minuses on both sides of that coin. You know, a lot of times I find myself getting locked up by perfection paralysis, which just, you're not going to do it until it's just, you know, everything's perfect. And instead of doing that, there comes that time when you have to go, look, man, this is as perfect as it's going to get. Get it done, get it out there, go out there, promote yourself, step up and start that next part of your progression. So, yeah, obviously I've been following you since since we we kind of made the connection. So it sounds like you just took a 60 minute um, improv situation to where on your Facebook page, you do this on a daily basis, right? Every single day you put out like a a 60 minute words of wisdom. So you want to kind of talk about like how did that came to to fruition and, and, and and how long have you been doing it? Actually, it's 60 seconds, but uh, it, it sounds like 60 minutes sometimes. <laughs> Would he please shut up? No, but what it is, man, is I started doing this in an effort to uh, get going on TikTok. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody's talking about TikTok is the next big platform. It's where you need to be. It's where all the hype is. And so I was like, man, what am I going to do? Uh, dancing's probably not going to work for me at this age. Um, uh, athleticism kind of out the door, out the door there. So that's probably not going to happen either what can I do? And so motivation and inspiration and affirmations became my point of reference 
for my TikTok videos. And while I have probably published maybe, I'll say 20 to 30 of them, um, they're doing better on Facebook than they are on TikTok. So <laughs> I get more feedback, I get more engagement, I get more response on Facebook and Instagram than I do on TikTok. So I'm still figuring the TikTok uh, Rubik's Cube out there. I hadn't quite got all sides the same color yet. Well, we'll get there. Gotcha. So, I mean, just talk about, I mean, you, you're, you're, you're fulfilling two separate podcasts. So let's just talk about both those podcasts and, and the journey of the directions those podcasts are going in. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. I've had three podcasts overall for the past five, over the past five years. The first one was a comedy podcast. I fancied myself a bit of a comedian, did a little bit of stand up here and there as well. So, uh, and that's kind of what brought me into podcasting to start with. I had been an alcoholic for years and years and years and recently came out of rehab back in 2013. Actually, I came out in 14, went in in 13, uh, at the end of 13. And I was looking for some kind of outlet at that point. I needed to be creative. I needed something that would get me fired up. I needed something that I could invest my emotion and my time into. And a buddy of mine kept hammering me. He's like, dude, listen to Joe Rogan podcast. I said, look, dude, podcasts are for nerds. I'm not going to listen to that. It's not going to happen. And I say that because you look behind me, all I've got is a bunch of Batman toys. So uh, you want to talk about nerds. I'm a, uh, you know, I, I fit the category, but I wasn't into it, man. But then eventually he kept hammering, kept hammering. And I listened to Joe Rogan and I don't know who he had on the day that I listened for the first time, but it was a comedian friend of his, probably Tony Hinchcliffe uh, or Joey Diaz. And dude, I was rolling. I could not believe what I was hearing. I couldn't believe what they were saying. I couldn't believe that this was like legal. <laughs> you know, it wasn't that bad, but it was like, man, what are, it was like the eighties comedians all over again, man. It reminded me of the Sam Kinison and the Andrew Dice Clay days and, and the Robin Williams nice. days when they were all doing their thing in the mid eighties. And, uh, it just fired me up, man. I was like, holy crap, this is a forum where I can tell my jokes and, and I can do whatever I want to do and ain't nobody going to say nothing. And so I started a show and it was very successful. Honestly, I ended up taking it to a local Dallas-Fort Worth radio station, uh, was on there, uh, took it even as a live show. And to this day, the club where I started that as a live show, it turned into an open mic night. And today, it's still one of the largest open mics in all of Dallas-Fort Worth. So I, I wear that badge with a little bit of pride. But uh, it, it started kind of getting to the point where it was growing, but I was seeing that I was going to have a hard time transitioning to mainstream acceptance or monetization uh, with the content that we were putting out. So nice. I, I started to do some evaluating. I did some self-check-ins. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to change it up. And this time I'm going to do a show that contributes back to society. So I started Readily Random, which is still uh, out there on iTunes today. Uh, that was, it started off being a, a, a podcast with stories of success, stories of overcoming, stories of, of retribution. And uh, it, it was great for a while. But I think maybe I was still too raw at the time to, to hear those stories day in and day out and know that I had lived that story, right? And, and so I'm, I'm making these comparisons, but it just wasn't really fitting my vibe. So it slowly started to evolve. I had some entertainers that were on the show, a couple of actors and actresses and a couple of musicians even. 
but eventually it evolved into a business podcast, which was more of an entrepreneurial front. I had some big time entrepreneurs on there, some highly successful entrepreneurs, some not quite as successful, but they're working on it. Uh, and, and it was doing its thing really, really well. And then I started teaching podcasting. I started going, here's how you can launch your show. Here's the rules, right? Quote, unquote, the rules. Here's the best practices of what you need to do to launch your own show. And in looking at that and realizing what I was saying, and then looking back at my show, I was definitely coming in with a do as I say, not as I do perspective. Because as a podcaster, I'm sure you know, the riches are in the niches. So you need to niche down. You need to have a topic. You need to have a focus for your podcast, something that sets it apart from every other podcast that's out there. I think we're probably up to 1.75 million podcasts out there on iTunes right now. And we're increasing at the rate of about 100,000 a month. It's insane. That's one of the things that 2020 has done for us. It's blown up the podcasting space. But again, we were talking about niches. And readily random, just the name itself. Not very niche. Doesn't really tell you anything other than you don't know what you're going to get. It's readily random. So that was breaking one of the cardinal rules of you got a niche. Yeah. So I said, all right, here's what I got to do. I got to reevaluate. I got to practice what I preach. I got to change things up. I got to focus. And what I ended up doing was launching the One Big Win podcast, which is what I have now where we talk about moments that we put into motion and we take one step closer to life mastery. And that launched on November 1st of this year. So we are rocking and rolling. We're getting ready. Here we are the middle of December. Going to do another uh, big launch in January for it. Uh, I think I made another mistake and Hey, I own it, right? Uh, I launched a podcast three days before one of the biggest uh, uh, elections has ever taken place. And, <laughs> and I was like, you know what? They ain't got nothing on me. They just presidents and they no thanks. So I'm a launch it anyhow. <laughs> and lo and behold, that's not quite the case. So we're going to call that our soft launch. And then we're going to have a big launch come January one. Cool. Cool. So, I mean, in that, I mean, you, you, you gave an, a, a complete visual of kind of, the parts of your journey, right? So sure. let's, let's just jump around this a little bit more. Like, why did you get into podcasting? Like, what, what, what really sparked it? And I know you're saying that you saw Joe Rogan, you listened to him, but internally for you, what emotion that made you say, hey, I need to do this outside of the fact that you were recovering from alcohol, why did you do it? It was the freedom of expression. It was the unabashed freedom that this platform provided. I looked at it because I tend to talk a lot. I tend to tell jokes that might get me in trouble uh, in, in the wrong environment, <laughs> which is pretty much any environment uh, sometimes. But, <laughs> but when I heard this and saw the absolute freedom to create whatever I wanted to verbally create, blown away. And I haven't been that excited about an opportunity since back in my teens when I found out what karate was and started training martial arts, that it reignited that same type of fire and that same type of drive that karate did for me in my teen years, in my 20 years, in my 30s. So it, it was something that I hadn't felt in a long, long time. And it was tremendous. And I was motivated. I was inspired. And I took, ended up taking a, an entire room in the house, turning it into a studio, uh, I, I bought so much equipment. I don't know what to do with it. I probably got some still in boxes that I haven't even opened, but don't tell the wife. She thinks I use it all. But uh, it's just one of those scenarios man, where I just, I jumped in and five years later, I'm still just as fired up about podcasting as I was on day one. 
Gotcha, gotcha. So it's not like you had a Cobra Kai moment and you just went all in. No, yeah, yeah. 100%, <laughs> man. 100%, 100%. Cool, cool. So, I mean, let's talk about your, your backdrop a little bit. I mean, obviously, in podcasting, backdrops are just as, as valuable as the host a lot of times. People don't realize that. So, I mean, kind of tell us the, the journey of, like, why did you pick that backdrop and what you got going on back there? Well, it's, it's, it, that's all real. I can reach back and pick, pick up any, yeah. anything. So it's not just a backdrop. It's the real deal Holyfield. But what it is, is I, I, I fell in love with these little things called vinyl pops. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you've seen them. They're little figurines about three and a half inches tall. They got big heads on them and little bitty bodies. And I thought they were the coolest thing I'd ever seen in my life, which is just kind of a cute side of me I shouldn't be sharing with people. But, you know, I'm sensitive. It's all right. So... I had started collecting these and other Batman things. I've collected Batman stuff since as far back as I can remember. I mean, there's a picture of me when I'm about three years old standing outside our apartment building and I'm wearing my Batman t-shirt. So I've always loved me some Batman. And up until recently, and actually I've I've still got another week and a half left, I was still in corporate America. And I had my, my cubicle, my little prison cell, decorated with all this cool Batman, or at least I thought it was cool Batman stuff. I've been there 20 some odd years, right? So it's, it's, it's not like I just did this out of the blue. Well, I ended up getting a new manager. He ended up not liking it at all and um, had to take it all down. So I'm like, well, this sucks. I want all my Batman stuff. So in creating the studio, the studio's evolved over time. I mean, it's changed. It's grown. It's become better. It's become more robust. It's become fancier, whatever. Uh, all those good adjectives. But I had to make it me. I had to make it, you know, my, my bat cave essentially is what it amounts to. And that's where it's at. Now you're going to see some other things in there. There's even a, there's a, a where's he at? A Daniel San Chia pet. We're talking about I Cobra see Kai. Yeah, I, see I got Daniel San there. We got the baby Yoda over here doing his thing. We got, uh, there's some a couple of GI Joe ones. There's storm shadow. He's a GI Joe guy, but most of it's Batman stuff. So, but I like to mix it up a little bit, you know? So, that's what it's all about, man. You know, and it's a great conversation starter. Everybody has to have a comment about my background, and I love it. It was actually inspired by Gary Vee. Uh, when you look at some of his older work, he's in his office, and he's got action figures and all kinds of cool stuff just crammed on the shelves. I was like, it's a pretty cool look. So that was another inspiration for the overall uh, schema that I've got going back there as well. So you alluded to corporate America a little bit, and obviously I think both of us are very big entrepreneurs, business individuals. So currently you're saying you're transitioning. So what 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 are you doing corporate America-wise and obviously the transition into monetizing your podcast and your other adventures, what does that look like? Well, I, I had been a corporate trainer. That's kind of the direction that I ended up heading in my early 20s. I don't have a degree, okay? So I worked into these positions. I started off at Texas Instruments, which is a, a giant uh, silicon manufacturing company and yeah calculators of course so i started working there on the line i was just an assembly line kind of guy just doing my thing and uh, a job opening popped up for a corporate trainer so i knew i could talk so i thought what the heck let's let's see what we can do and they ended up giving me the job and i got into corporate training and i did that for about three and a half years now i'm also from a small town way north texas called denison and it's uh, got a population of about, I don't know, 30,000, 40,000 people. Probably bigger now, but that's what it was back then. And O'Lair had dreams and, and, and uh, aspirations for living in the big city. So I had to get down to Dallas. That was the goal. And I reached out to some companies down there, applied several times. Man, this job that I ended up with, I came down seven times for interviews. And some of those interviews were like, oh, thanks for coming in. 
and then sending me back home an hour and a half drive, right? It was, it was horrible. It just sucked. But anyways, I ended up landing it and I ended up moving down to Plano, which is just north of Dallas, the suburb. And uh, been with this company, like I say, 21 years now uh, I've been with them. So I came in as a corporate trainer and more of a corporate training manager position. I had six trainers that were underneath me and I would develop nice. training policies and procedures and then they would go out and they would train the masses. And eventually this evolved to bring me into it. We, we rolled out a massive, massive software program uh, for all of our facilities across the globe. And it's, I mean, the project is still going on right now and it started in 2000. That's how big the project is. And they needed somebody to come in and help with training. So they brought me up and I ended up in IT. And during the downtime of not really having anybody to train, we're, we're in between facilities or whatever it may be, uh, they needed somebody to start looking at data and doing some data analysis and doing some reporting. And I kind of moved into that realm. And now today, uh, my formal title is business intelligence analyst, which is just a fancy way of saying I do reports and look at data. <laughs> but no, man, it's been a great ride. It really has. Uh, I put my notice in at my job about two weeks ago and uh, we're calling it a retirement. So I'm going to hang out for the rest of the year and then come January 4th, I have to make an appearance and uh, then that's it. Then I'm done. And then I'm an entrepreneur. And you know, this has been a journey in and of itself. Uh, it's not my first foray into entrepreneurship. Uh, I usually always have some sort of side hustle going, uh, whether it was eBay or it doesn't matter. I always had something going. And back around 2007, I think it was, I started a swimming pool company and it was, a, it was like a route company. Come by, clean your pool, repair your pool. Uh, I grew it to about 50 clients or 50 houses that we were servicing in a couple of hotels as well. And it got to the point that it was so big that for me to do the route, uh, I, I couldn't. I just couldn't do the route and I couldn't hold my full-time job uh, regardless of what I did. It was just too big. And it came down to the point of, hey, man, you got to jump ship and you got to go do pools full-time or you got to let go of the pool business and stay corporate. Well, corporate won. So I ended up selling my pool business there, made a little ching on the side, nothing too crazy, but I was pretty happy with it. I think I got a new truck out of the deal and some furniture. So that worked out, but that was my biggest foray into entrepreneurship at the time. Now, now's the real deal, man. Cause I have quit my job. <laughs> I have made my podcast as great as I can make it at this stage of my career. I know I'll continue to evolve. I know I'll continue to grow and I know my shows will continue to get better. But I'm at that point where it was like, you know what, let's do this, man. Let's do it. So here we nice. are. Nice. So, I mean, in that, right. I mean, obviously you're a big logistics guy. You're, you're an analytic guy just based upon like your position in which you've grew, grown into. So in, even in podcast development or monetizing or just entrepreneurship, there's always hurdles, but the best way to overcome a lot of these hurdles is having systems in place. So what systems do you have to continue growing and making your podcast prosperous in the future? Probably isn't the answer that you're looking for, but my systems began with planning my exit from corporate America. So I've positioned myself, I've paid off one car, I sold the other car, my house is in with, within payoff range, uh, got rid of most of my debt and put myself in a position to where even if I don't quite meet my personal goals for the year, I'm still going to be A-OK -okay when it comes to my standard of living and day-to-day and -day expenses. So that was the first step that I took that I thought was going to be the most critical. The other is, man, establishing relationships is the 
key to this whole game, man. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I say that about this game, but it's, a, it's that way with every game. It don't matter what you're doing out there. Relationships make or break your situation. And I have worked hard to align myself with some of the best in the industry. And not just as a fanboy, but as a student. I've hired some of the best coaches that are out there. I've paid pretty decent uh, sums of money to get them on my team. And I've learned a lot from them. And the, the, the whole thing is that I know. And it's kind of keeping that ego in check. You know, back in my karate days, old Lair had an ego. And he didn't keep it in check at all. And it led to some pretty bad things, like getting kicked out of the karate school. And <laughs> it was bad. It was horrible. It sucked. But uh, it got a little too big for my britches. So that's not what this is all about. What it's about is evolving and growing. And that's where we're going with this. That's my plan is to continue growing, continue evolving, and continuing to establish long-lasting relationships. That's not just knowing somebody. But that's like, man, if you need me to do something for you, hey, hit me up. I'll be more than happy to help you out. You know, vice versa, that sort of thing. It, it's definitely not a, a one-way street in any regard. You need to be willing to give away some of your best stuff for free just to set that standard. Uh, it drives my wife crazy because she goes, are you getting paid for this one? I go, no, honey, I'm doing this one for free. It's, I'm getting some of them attention bucks. And she goes, well, that's all good, but attention bucks don't, don't pay the rent. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so she's like, we need to get paid some green and get off these attention bucks. But it goes a lot further than you would ever expect when you're giving away your talent and you're giving away your time and you're giving away to people that respect that and respect you for the fact that you're willing to give, it pays back. So it's just tremendous. You, you, you get back so much more than you end up giving out. And that's one approach that I've seen work tremendously well in this industry. Nice. Nice. So with that, right? I mean, you're still on the journey, but you've had multiple levels of success on that journey. And we always hear the perception of it takes 20 years to become an overnight success that's perceived mm-hmm. to happen literally two days, right? So right. How, long, how, how long have you been on your journey to get to where you are currently? From podcasting, I mean, I've been, I've been doing it about five years. And I'm going to be flat out honest with you. The first podcast, the numbers crushed the numbers that I have now as far as downloads go. It was tremendous. I, I couldn't believe it. Now, there's also this thing I have to weigh, though, and I can't prove or, or, or debunk this, that back then uh, on social media sites, especially sites like Twitter and whatnot, they had a lot of bots going on back then that would pick up and it would look like your podcast is being played, but it really wasn't. So the numbers back then, can I rely on them? I don't know. It seemed to be, it, it, was, it was very well received. Everywhere we went, it, people were laughing. We were having a great time. I had a co-host as well. Jamie Gravy was his name. He's now touring with Eddie Griffin, uh, the stand-up comedian. He opens for Eddie wherever Eddie goes. And they even got his name and lights on on, on Eddie's latest CD. So that's kind of cool. Or even it's special. I think it's running on HBO or Cinemax right now. But uh, so that's cool, man. He's gone on to achieve great success in the comedy arena. And I'm just trying to keep up with my boy, man. He's he's like, oh, yeah, you're doing this? Well, I did this. And oh, crap, man. Okay, now I got to go. But yeah, it's been five years, you know. And I can remember telling... Jamie, as a matter of fact, when we first started the podcast, was like, man, this is a long game. This isn't an overnight game. Anybody that's out there that is overnight, they're coming from a massive background of, of, of mainstream media. They've got massive support. They've got audiences that already exist. And that's one of the things that I think so many people 
get disheartened about because they see Joe Rogan. They see, man, he just signed a $100 million deal with Spotify. You need to give me some of that money. But they don't realize that it's not just Joe Rogan's podcast that got him there. Yeah. Now, he's been podcasting for 13 years, for starters. That's just his podcast. Let's not forget that he had an acting career on news radio. He had his own sitcom on NBC. Of course, everybody knows about Fear Factor, right? He was on Fear Factor for God knows how many uh, seasons. He's the play-by-play guy for UFC, exactly. And he's still doing that today. So Joe Rogan sells out stadiums, stadiums, football stadiums. He sells them out for his comedy. Who does that besides him and 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 maybe uh, what's the little guy, Kevin, Kevin Hart? Hart. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, him and Kevin, they're neck and neck right now, man. And I personally don't think Joe's all that funny. I mean, don't tell him I said that, but <laughs> I, I don't get his comedy. I love his commentary on the UFC, but his comedy don't work for me, bro. I don't know. How, I don't know why. <laughs> you know, watch. I put you in a ring naked chokehold, man. It's yeah, kind of hard to break hey, out of that. So <laughs> I know he's a badass, so I, I won't mess with it. But. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, that, that's definitely hilarious, man. So on this journey, what's one thing you would have done differently to get you to where you are a lot faster if you could do it all over again? I would have learned more before I got started. I would have hired a coach right out of the gate. I would have done my research, you know, and it's interesting back then, back then, back five years ago, uh, it was, uh, it was more difficult, I think, to find information on podcasting and to find out the basics of podcasting. You could find videos here, videos there. You couldn't really find a whole series. Some people were charging exorbitant amounts to train you on how to do a podcast. I'm talking thousands. And that wasn't my gig. I wasn't going to pay somebody that kind of money to learn how to do this, this fancy new hobby that I have. Uh, but I ended up doing my own Google researches and reading and watching vids and this and that, and eventually pieced it all together. Now, how I ever recorded that first show, I'm really not sure. I don't know what cables I had going where or what connected to what or how, but I managed <laughs> I managed to get it out there. And it was like, whatever you do, don't touch it because I don't know how to put it back. But it, it's one of those things, man, that today – what I've done is I have a course on Udemy called One Plus One Equals Podcast, where I take and I break it down. And the subline is that uh, we simplify the equation of podcasting success. So I give you step-by-step instructions. Do this, do this, do this, do this. And then I give you three options when it comes to gear. Here's this gear package. Here's this gear package. Here's this gear package. And I'm not selling the packages. It's just a, a set of gear that I recommend for different levels of users or depending on how much you want to invest because, I mean, it's up to you to get it. Again, I'm not selling these packages. It's just something that I wanted something where people would get my course and go, wow, this is so straightforward. I can do this too because I think everybody needs a podcast. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. So, I mean, obviously you have a very tenacious entrepreneur spirit and and you've been in business for a period of time. Did you get that from your family? Do you have any entrepreneurs in your family, like your mom, your dad, any uncles in a barbershop? I mean, where are you getting your hustle from? <laughs> you know, that's a, that's a great question because I have no clue other than I grew up in a trailer park. I grew up poor as dirt and I've been there. We've eaten the spam. We've eaten the government cheese. I remember standing in line at the Baptist church to get the government cheese uh, there was a time when I was a little kid where we didn't even live in the trailer park. We lived in the maintenance shed, in the shed behind the trailer park where the maintenance guy hung out. And that's where my, my dad was the, uh, was the maintenance guy for this little crappy trailer park in Stockton, California. And I, I knew all that sucked. <laughs> so as I got older, I, I was really fascinated with business and art. 
Uh, I was that nerd that got business and art on his uh, high school ring instead of his basketball number. So, uh, you know, don't, don't, <laughs> don't judge me for that, but it's just something that I've always been, I've been pulled to, you know, I, I thought I was going to be a stockbroker when I grew up. It didn't work out that way, but that was what I was like. If you remember uh, family ties and I'm dating yeah. myself, I know you got old Alex P Keaton. I wanted to be Alex P Keaton. And that was, that was, that was it. Why? I don't know. He was successful in my opinion, at least back then. I, I probably hate his guts right now, but, <laughs> <laughs> but back then I thought he was the stuff, you know? So uh, that was where I was headed. And I've just always had it. I've always had a hustle. I've always had some kind of side thing, whether it's throwing papers or mowing yards or whatever it took to grab some cash and, uh, and, and get stuff that I wanted because otherwise I really wasn't going to. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's kind of cool that you brought up um, the mobile home parks because I'm actually diving into that space as far as mobile home investments and just understanding like pound for pound, there's no better, re you know, when it comes to real estate, that's like the best investment on the damn planet right now. So I don't know if you're if you're in that space, or if you ever looked at that. But I mean, that's really cool that you come from that background because you have an inside niche that most people don't have. Oh, I grew up in a trailer park my whole life. I mean, you know, we had a couple of rental houses here and there, but primarily out in California was a trailer park because that's where grandpa lived. So that's where we lived because we needed some free rent or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then when we moved back out to Texas, uh, I grew up, we were in a trailer park from, I don't know, probably nine years old until I graduated high school. So, I mean, I literally grew up in a trailer park. So I, I definitely have that experience. And as far as the investment goes, uh, I don't have any experience in that arena, but I'm familiar with it. A buddy of mine, he was investing in it quite heavily. Mm -hmm. I don't know if he still is, uh, but I know that he was in all the forums and he was talking to everybody online and he was learning everything he could learn and he invested in a course and, and all kinds of stuff. And I recall him looking at a couple of trailers, but it's funny because he actually worked at the same company where I still am employed. And that's how we knew each other. But we used to sit in his office and go, oh, dude, what can we do next? What's going on? Well, you know, what, what, what's a side hustle? And I'll be damned if he didn't end up starting a bakery. <laughs> and he left the company he still owns. He's had his bakery open now for about eight years, him and his wow. wife. And uh, they have a cupcake shop in one of the malls here locally. So, you know, props to him. But he's always doing something. He's even worse than I am. I can remember the first time we, he and I went to get our new businesses because he started a pool business as well. But he was building at the time. He was going to build and I was going to, you know, repair and maintain. And we were going to complement each other's businesses that way. And we went to get our, our business names or our DBAs. And man, they pulled his name up. I was sitting there and it just went, all these businesses that he had. Man, I was like, dude, when is one of these going to work? He's like, man, I don't know, but I'm going to keep trying. So, yeah. you know. And that's what he did. And now look, he's a baker. I mean, he's not a baker. His wife's a baker, but. <laughs> I mean, that, that's, a, that's a solid point. I mean, it's, it's, he has enough tenacity to realize that you just don't quit. You just keep going until you figure it out. I mean, I, I was talking about like the movie, the founder and the whole McDonald's thing. I'm like, the guy, he didn't, cracked it and make it until he was like 60 something years old. And then shortly thereafter he was a billionaire. Right. So, I mean, it's never okay. too late to kind of stay on, stay on the grind and keep moving. Right. So with your work hustle, right. How do you juggle? Cause it seems like when you're in, you're a thousand percent in whatever it is you're doing. So how do you juggle your work life with your family life? Well, you know, my family life is in a, in a position to where I can. My wife is here. She's working from home most of the time now because of 2020, mm -hmm. uh, because of the whole COVID gig. So she's actually in another room right now working 
So her and I are together most of the time. My kids are grown. So that puts me in a position of where I don't have any responsibilities there. One's, uh, one's married and got one kid. One's on his way to being married. And they both graduated college. They both done their thing and made something of themselves. Nice. So, I mean, in that arena, I got it made in the shade. And that's great. That's a huge advantage that, you know, previously when you still had those, those people that were depending on you and those responsibilities that were right there, uh, it makes it a lot more difficult, a lot more difficult. And don't think for a minute that that didn't play into the factor of me selling the pool business as well. There was just too much on the line. You know, I was still paying child support back then. I was still providing insurance for my kids back then. Uh, I still have insurance for my wife and I. So all those responsibilities definitely played a factor in my decision-making process with my pool company. But I don't have that same pressure on me now. And that's why I think this is the time for me to do it and do it right. Gotcha. Gotcha. So with that, what is your morning habits, your morning routines? Sleep, bro. <laughs> No, I'm just <laughs> no, man, shoot. no, I, you know, my morning routine consists of, I do like to get up early, even though I'm not doing, I'm not going to a, 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 a job per se. Uh, like I'm working from home this week as well. So you'll still see me roll out of bed at six o'clock in the morning. Same time. My wife, she'll get me up if I'm not up already. And we make the most of it. She does her thing. I do mine. I like to read a little bit. I like to check my emails. I like to get caught up. I like to make sure that my day is is really tucked away and ready to go before eight o'clock, before everybody starts hitting you with all the phone calls and, and all the other responsibilities kick in. So that's, that is definitely my morning routine. And it's that way. I mean, it's that way on Saturday. It's that way on Sunday, Monday through Friday. It's, it's always that way up early and up late. It's funny that you said that because I mean, the more I do this podcast and the more entrepreneurs that I talk to and the more level of success of the people that I'm speaking to, the common denominator is always the same. One, you wake up early, right? Yep. Two, there's some kind of ritual that you, that you did and you were kind of alluded to reading, right? And that's, that's another big thing is usually coffee and reading or reading and coffee. So in the reading, what books are you reading right now? Are you, there it is. Monster in reading is how I do it, brother. <laughs> crack, I call that crack juice. That's crack juice in reading. <laughs> Whatever it is, I love it. So it's, it may, the book that I'm reading right now is, um, oh, it is called NLP, the, intro, the overall introduction to NLP. So I've, I've heard a lot of neuro-linguistic programming and how it can benefit you going forward in your entrepreneurial career, just with the focus and understanding how to control your mindset. And that's the one that I am reading right now. I've also got a book. I cannot remember the name of it. It's about storytelling. Uh, it's sitting in there on my other desk. I should go in there and get it. But it's a great book on how to properly tell a story, which the reason I'm reading that is because I want to learn how to uh, tell stories. I want to learn how to get my points across with stories. I want my podcast to evolve in the way that I present myself and present the stories and the guests that I have each and every time. So those are the two books that are sitting on my desk in there right now. Uh, but man, uh, if as long as it's something positive and something educational to a certain degree, I mean, I'm not gonna sit there and read a damn textbook. But as long as I'm learning something out of the deal, I'm 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 definitely gonna read it. So, nice, nice, right? So, where do you see yourself in 20 years from now? Dead? <laughs> nah. <laughs> no, no. I'm 48. So 20 years from now, what is that? 68? I can do some math. Man, 68. I don't see any reason, and you know. Who knows? If everything stays the same, I'm sure I'll still be broadcasting something somewhere somehow. It's just what I love to do. I love having a microphone in my face. I love being in front of people. Uh, I'm trying to transition into the speaking circuit now, which 
I'm already speaking on a variety of different platforms when it comes to online conferences. Uh, I'll always be a staple, at least at this point, on at VidFest and at PodFest. Uh, once we start having live events there again, I will be on stage there as well. So um, that's kind of the direction that I'm headed. So if I can do live audiences and, and if I can achieve that goal, man, I think that uh, that'll round me out pretty well. Nice, nice. So understanding that, again, you're an analytics guy, you have some systems in place, you, you've had a business, you're in podcasting. What tools are you using to kind of maintain and juggle all these things? I, I use Outlook a lot and I use my wife a lot. Uh, <laughs> my <laughs> wife, man, she, she's the one that keeps me straight, honestly, because uh, I, I do tend to get a little, uh, little, little, little frayed on the ends, you know, uh, because I try to do everything all at the same time and you really can't. So my wife sometimes has to sit me down and go, dude, here, what do you have going? Okay, break it down. And then we break it down. We get it organized. We get it back on the calendar. And we start watching our P's and Q's again until the next time she has to scold me. But in, in, I use Calendly a lot for scheduling all of my uh, interviews. Calendly's great. Uh, I use Outlook a lot. I use Trello quite a bit. I've just been introduced to Trello over the past couple of months. I like it. I think it's a great tool to use as well. Um, I use some booking agencies, you know, to get guests. Uh, booking agencies reach out to me and go, hey, would you like to have so-and-so on your podcast? And some of the guests are great. Some of the guests are not a fit for my show. But I've landed some insane people just from uh, the referrals from the, from the, the booking agents. So uh, I use a ton of different tools, man. And if something new comes along that I think is going to help my process or help me be a better person or be a better entrepreneur or a better podcaster, you can bet I'm going to jump on it. Nice, nice, nice. So, I mean, I think that, that that's, a, that's a hell of a, a gateway to step into this next question, right? So, let's say I am 36 years old, I'm in corporate America, and I'm trying to figure out my way out, right? And I'm looking at podcasting, I'm looking at media. What words of wisdom would you give me to influence me to make that jump? Understand what you're getting into. Make sure you understand that monetizing a podcast is not easy. People seem to think that it's extremely easy. Oh, you can just put a paywall in front of it, do a Patreon, and then you can get sponsors, and then you can have this and that. It's, it, it doesn't work that way, folks. It sounds great when you're listening to the presentations, but it's not that easy. And again, I go back to the built-in audience. You have to make sure you understand that who you're comparing yourself against has an audience. So they're already you know, doing what they need to do in order to make that money. So what you need to do is understand what your podcast can do for you in the realm of making money. Your podcast itself is gonna bring in very little most likely, but it's a tremendous platform to launch other avenues of revenue. Meaning I use my podcast to speak, I use my podcast to sell my book, I use my podcast to sell my course, I use my podcast to sell consulting, I use my podcast to sign deals like I just signed with Chris Kermitzos to build courses. And Chris and I, Chris is the owner of PodFest. He and I are going to create a minimum of four courses together. And we just signed a contract yesterday. Nice. That's going to lead to some great resources and great opportunities there. So it's, it's understanding. And what does that go back to that I mentioned earlier? Relationships. Make sure you have your relationships. Make sure you understand that you're going to need multiple streams of revenue in order to make this thing work. And make sure that you have all your ducks in a row before you jump. Hmm. I mean, yeah, that's, that's solid golden nuggets, man. Seriously. Um, so how can people find you online? I mean, what, what's your, your Facebook handle, Instagram handle, your podcast address? You can find everything that I'm looking for right now is at Big Win Pod. 
uh, at Big Win Pod is all the social. BigWinPod.com is the is the web address. The site is up. It's looking really nice, but it's growing as well. So uh, we're transitioning away from the Readily Random to the Big Win Podcast. So there's still some stuff on Readily Random as, as well. So you, you kind of caught me in an in-between state, but I want everybody to find me at Big Win Pod. So look for me on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, everything at Big Win Pod. So it- – in the multiple, because I mean, to our point, right, there's some people that they just want to start podcasts and some people that have started podcasts. And to your point, they realize they didn't do enough research. And now they hit that hurdle of like, shit, do I kind of scratch this podcast and start a whole new one? Like, how difficult is it to kind of have a podcast, leave it up and running and cut it off and start a whole new brand? You know, it was real easy between my first and second podcast because it was such a drastic shift. I, I didn't expect to maintain listeners from the first show for my second show. So I knew, all right, we're cutting our leg off to spider face. We're, we're our nose off to spider face. We're cutting off all of our, all, all of our listeners. We're doing everything. Boom. But we're done. I'm done with it. I'm done. And I'm starting from scratch. One big win is a refinement of readily random. So I am looking for those listeners from readily random to come over to one big win. And it is more difficult than I would have thought. You know, I did two months two months of promotion before launching the, the show. Then I promoted each and every day all the month of November. And so three total months went into promoting one big win. And although it launched well, it was, it was something to be proud of. It wasn't the massive boom that I was looking for. And that's why we're doing it again in January. So uh, if you do make a mistake, something similar to what I did, regroup. Don't take it as, okay, well, now I just have to fight my way back to the top. No, don't fight. Do it right. Plan it out and then launch that thing. I, I hired new coaches. I have two coaches now for podcasting. My regular coach and I have this launch coach specifically that's helping me with this launch in January. So don't be afraid to invest in your education. Don't be afraid to look to others to help guide you where you need to go. That's huge when you're making that transition. Understanding your revenue sources, understanding what the podcast is going to do for you. And then also being humble enough to suck it up and go, look, I still got stuff to learn. Even though I'm going out here on my own, I, I don't know everything. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not, not the cat daddy just yet. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's, it's funny. Like, you, you're dropping this informational in, in a way that's not only transparent, but it's very useful for people to understand that just because you started something and you hit a particular hurdle, sometimes it's better to scratch it than to keep pushing through knowing that you're going down the wrong rabbit hole. So I definitely appreciate that. Um, so in the, going into the bonus round, right? Okay. And, and I, 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 I can kind of guess what this answer is going to be, right? If you could be a superhero. Batman. So why? The question isn't why. Why would you want to be Batman? Man, I think uh, if you look at the psychology of it, I guess, it's I was a very frail, very uh, tiny kid. I was born with a birth defect. My chest was sunk in. My organs were growing out. And my ribs and everything were growing in and crushing everything. So I had to have a massive surgery when I was four years old. Super fragile guy. Super skinny up until I became an alcoholic. And then after I got out of rehab, now I'm fat. But I was skinny as hell up to that point and skinny all my life. Uh, I think the fact that I like Batman is the fact that he made himself what he is. He doesn't have any special power. Didn't get bit by a spider or come from a different planet or I mean, that's cool. I love Spider-Man, too. He's a cool cat. But it's just that he, he's, he's powerless, per se, other than, well, the money, which, of course, with money comes the power. But 
uh, he, he trained, he learned, he taught himself and, or he reached out and found coaches that taught him and, uh, he put himself in a position to succeed. And I think that's what always resonated with me because I hated being frail. I hated being protected and I hated being made fun of for being so tiny and so skinny and so quote unquote fragile. And it was, it, that's what drew me to I, Batman. That's what drew me to martial arts. I just knew if I could whoop ass, I'd be the cat daddy. And uh, it helped some, you know, but then I became uh, just the, an egomaniac that I was a horrible, horrible human being. So it, it supplemented one thing, but left me with a big hole in the other. You know what I mean? So, uh, but it all led to where I'm at today. Hmm. And, and that's, what's great about it. But I think that's it, man. I think it's just, I hated being frail. I hated being fragile and I hated being made fun of. So hmm. come to bat. Nice. Nice. I mean, I think with that, it, it's a great testament to who you are. Cause I mean, you're saying that through martial arts, kind of like the Cobra Kai model, right? You came a real badass yeah. and you started using the good for bad, but you recognized <laughs> it, right? <laughs> you recognize it and you kind of turned a new leaf. So, I mean, I, I, that's definitely a, a positive attribute to who you are. So going into this next question, right? If you could spend 24 hours a day with anybody, dead or alive, who would it be and why? Mm, 24. Is it like straight hours? Yeah, straight hours. 24 hours. And, you have one and, time, dead or alive. Are we doing business? Are we hanging out? Or It's up to you. Anybody that, that you could think of that you would want to spend 24 hours with, dead or alive, who would it be and why? I don't know, man. I'd probably go with Samantha Fox. <laughs> <laughs> People probably don't even know who that is, but, <laughs> but no, I, I used to, I used to love her when I was a kid. Uh, but no, in all seriousness, I'd probably, I'd probably want to hang out with Robin Williams. I think he's a cool dude. Uh, I think he's got a lot of, or he had a lot of insight, but he's also obviously was very troubled. And I think there is a tremendous amount of insight that is to be learned from someone like Robin. And he's also always fascinated me my entire life. So, you know, from seeing him when he first debuted on Happy Days and then, of course, Mork and Mindy and then all of his movies and his stand-up. His stand-up was just next-level stuff. And it was one of those guys where you either loved him or hated him because his personality was so big. And I've often had that larger-than-life, that louder-than-life personality. So I could always relate to that as well. So I, I'd go... Me and Robin, we'd kick it for 24. Yeah, I mean, I could definitely see that. I mean, Robert is, is, a, is a great choice just because I think he is so dark that he could reach into a, a comedic side that most people can't even comprehend because he is that dark. And I think, you know, movies like One Hour Photo was kind of like a little peek into how dark he really is yeah, as an actor. It was like, that, it really shined in that movie, right? Yes, it I mean, did. Yeah, it did. So, I mean, um, going into kind of your most significant achievement, Right. What would you say outside of the kids? I, I, I've, I've learned if I ask that question enough time that most people, they always jump and they say they're kids. Right. So I right. kind of took that off the table. Outside of your kids, what's your most significant achievement today? I mean, I'd say is get my black belt. That was huge for me. I mean, I, I cried. It's still hanging behind me. It's right there. I, I ain't let it nice. go. Got two stripes. I became a second degree black belt. Nice. And uh, it was just it was everything. It was life to me. And there was a time in my training and in my, my practice of martial arts that I reached a mental level that was something I've never, I've never gotten it back. I lost it when I became an ego bad guy. Uh, but it was just, I don't know how to say it other than that you were, I was like high on life. 
It was just everything around me seemed inconsequential. It's like no challenge was, was that too big. No person was too big to intimidate me. Or I mean, it was just, I reached this echelon of just, I don't know, we don't call it enlightenment or something cheesy. That's fine. I don't care. Uh, but it was, it was amazing to feel that way. And as an example, you know, back then, I, I, there was a time when I got into breaking a lot. You see karate guys always breaking bricks and breaking wood and this and that. And I chose the, the concrete brick route to, to break. And uh, my, my specialty was these scalloped gardening uh, blocks that were two and a quarter inches thick and about two feet long. And um, at my very best, I did 12 of those with one smack at, at 155 pounds. Shit. That's a lot of concrete for a 155 pound dude to, uh, to crush. And it was tremendous because I did it in front of a big audience. It was awesome. And man, I was high on life. It was so little 150 pound me and little frail me. I'm sitting here crushing concrete. And it was so cool. But as I evolved and as my ego started to take over, interestingly enough, I lost the ability to do that. Hmm. And it was all mental. I knew it was all mental, but I started having doubts for some reason. Why would I have doubts? But it got so bad that I stuck, meaning did not break, uh, a four-brick break in front of hundreds of people at an at a arts fest parade. They were all outdoors. They were surrounding us. We were doing this big demo. Here comes Cat Daddy Brick Breaker. And I go, a pink. Mm. That sucked. Let's hit it with the elbow. You know, I, may, I managed to get it with the elbow, but my point there is, is, is that I hit four bricks. I couldn't do anything with it. I hit 12 when I was at my mental peak and destroyed it. And getting to that level of mental competence, of mental oneness with whatever spiritual powers you want to look at or, or however you want to rank it, I don't, I don't know what to call it. But it was something that I've never achieved again. And I miss that. I miss that focus. I miss that drive. I miss that laser focus on life. And it was, it was tremendous. But it, it slipped away. I let it go. Hmm. And I've, I've been trying to get it back ever since. Hmm. So I would, I would think we could rewind back 50 minutes and you could talk all the shit you want to about Joe Rogan now. Because, I mean, now that I know like, you're on a second-degree black belt, I mean, obviously, <laughs> <laughs> you, could kind of, you give a jab or two. You know what I'm saying? So, no, he he accomplished a lot. He was a bad dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a, he was uh, he was really really good back in his day. So he's probably still good today, as a matter of fact. But yeah. uh, you know, it's just one of those things. But I'll, I'll talk smack. I don't. Care. <laughs> <laughs> so going into closing, man, I always give opportunity for any one of my guests. You know, we've talked about a lot of different things, and any questions may have popped up. So, do you have any questions for me? I love the name of your show, and I'm kind of curious as to what inspired you to call it Boss Uncaged. It's kind of, I'm an analytical guy, so I've done a lot of research on just like the words, and I'm thinking about what can I get a trademark on? What can I get domains for that somebody in the millions of people in podcasting and in web development has already captured? So thinking about the variables of being a boss, and to your point, most people think boss, and they may hate their boss, or they may love their boss, or they want to become a boss. So it's one of those three, right? Right. And then breaking out the cage is either you want to leave behind the boss that's pissing you off or you want to break out the cage of being broke and you want to become a boss or you want to become a better boss. So the uncaged part is kind of like a lion symbolizing breaking out of the cage and, and getting to your freedom. And that's the combination of the words to make the podcast. Type. That's tremendous, dude. I love that. That is such a great analogy and it's a great name. So and this was a this was actually a great time. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it was crazy, man, because when I when I first developed the podcast was. January of this year 
Oh, and wow. Then, okay. and so then you're talking about 60 days later, it was like, holy shit, I couldn't predict that any better. I couldn't have created a podcast at a better time. So right. it, just, it, it just definitely happened. So, I mean, yeah, I, I'm definitely happy with it. I mean, it's one of those things. I mean, I'm doing, a, to your point, I have books. I'm working on courses. I have an agency, a digital agency, and I'm doing all the different things. But for right now, I think the thing that I love the most is the podcast. It's, it's the most fruitful as a person and gives back the most. And to your point, there's a million different tentacles that I can monetize at a drop of a dime. Right, right. Right. And, and it's, I, that's what people don't realize. That's what people don't understand. Because I still have people, even just yesterday, I, I posted on one of my uh, soon-to-be ex-co-workers' uh, Facebook page and said, yeah, you know, I've only got a couple of weeks and then I'm off to my new adventure. And then so many people that worked with us that did not know I was leaving were like, what, what? You're doing what? You're leaving what? You're doing podcasting full-time. What is that? How do you, wh- what do you mean you're doing podcasting full-time? That sounds, What? Yeah, so I, I can relate to that, but it's just that it's that lack of understanding the medium that keeps people from understanding the potential that's there and the potential that's definitely within reach if you do it right. Gotcha, gotcha. I mean, yes, yeah, so I, I I definitely concur with that. I definitely agree. It's it's one of those things. Once you're in the know, then you realize that you don't know shit, <laughs> and there's more for you <laughs> to know. But once you're on that journey of learning, and then it's kind of like okay now you start to get on that bicycle versus trying to run on foot. And then after the bicycle, you move to a motorcycle and eventually you'll be on a jet plane, but the stages to get to that. So I definitely appreciate that. Yep. Yep. Well, I appreciate this opportunity. It was great. It definitely rounded out my morning. It's got me all fired up. It's going to be a great day. So I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much for having me on. Definitely. And I appreciate you coming out again. I mean, by all means, uh, the goal would be, I want somebody to take this particular episode and learn from, from, from your example. And that, that's the goal of this podcast. So without further ado, man, I definitely appreciate you coming out again, Larry and S.A. Grant over and out. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Boss Uncaged. I hope you got some helpful insight and clarity to the diverse approach on your journey to becoming an uncaged trailblazer. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review and share the podcast. If this podcast has helped you or you have any additional questions, reach out and let me know. Email me at ask at sagrant.com or drop me your thoughts via a call or text at 762-233-BOSS. That's 762-233-2677. I would love to hear from you. Remember, to become a boss in cage, you have to release your inner beast. S.A. Grant, signing off. Listeners of Boss Uncaged are invited to download a free copy of our host, S.A. Grant's insightful ebook, Become an Uncaged Trailblazer. Learn how to release your primal success in 15 minutes a day. Download now at www.bossuncaged.com forward slash free book.